Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. We are into the sixth week in our series called Seven, which is a study in the book of Revelation. Who's been enjoying it? Come on. Who's felt convicted a little bit so far in this series? That's good. That's a good thing. I know I felt convicted. Um, I've been thinking about this a little bit throughout the week. If you're feeling convicted about things, so that's a little nudge in the heart where God is saying, come on, uh, maybe, we're, maybe we can change this. Maybe we can change that in your life. If you're feeling that, that's good because it means that you're hearing from God. Yeah, and that is a great thing. So if you felt conviction so far in this series, you are not alone. Um, I felt it. A lot of the other leaders and ministry team have probably been feeling it too. And uh, hopefully there's going to be a little bit more of that today. Amen? Come on, fantastic. So like I said, um, this series called Seven is about the seven letters um, that were written to the seven churches by Jesus. It's in the book of Revelation. Uh, These letters, you can find them in chapters two and three. Uh, The book of Revelation is an interesting book. Put up your hand if you've read it from front to back. Yeah, about half of the room. That's pretty impressive. Um, it's It's not an easy read. Not an easy read. Would you agree with me? Yeah, one of the reasons it's not an easy read is because it's a prophetic type of literature. We have different types of literature in the Bible. Um, we have like historical narrative types of literature. We've got poetry and we also have prophetic types of literature. This is, this is an apocalyptic prophetic type of literature. So it is like, can get real weird. Um, and the writer of this was the Apostle John, even though really the author was God, he just used John to hold the pen. And God gave John these visions and he wrote them down, which is why it is quite strange when you're reading it. Um, at the very start of the book, though, it says something really fascinating. And that is, if you read this um, out loud and if you apply what this book says, then you will be blessed. It doesn't say that in other books in the Bible even though I think we're blessed for reading the other books too, right? Um, But it it says this is the start of Revelation, which means it's an important book and one that we shouldn't just glance over, forget about, put away because it's too hard to understand. Um, So we are doing this study because we just want to bless you because we love you, Bright Church. We want to bless you and uh, we really love you. And these seven letters that were sent by Jesus to these seven churches, um, these were churches that existed at the time. But also, if you look at the order of the letters, a lot of uh, scholars believe that the order is deliberate and it actually correlates with the ages of the church, which means that it's really relevant to us. So these letters, we can learn so much from them. Jesus rebukes some churches. He encourages others. And here at Bright Church, we just want to learn. We just want to get better, which is another reason why we are doing uh, this series in the book of Revelation. So today we are up to the sixth letter, which is the letter to Philadelphia. The letter to Philadelphia. And let me just give you a little bit of background about Philadelphia. First off, uh, Philadelphia, what that actually means is brotherly love. That's what the word Philadelphia means. If you are here today, you are a, uh, you're a man. Why don't you just turn, if there's another man near you, a brother in Christ, give them a little wink because uh, we're looking at Philadelphia, the church of brotherly love. Or not, if that's weird, whatever. Um, also, Philadelphia, the city was located... Um, in an area where the people worshipped Greek gods. The Greek god of choice was the god named Dionysus. So this was the god of wine. 
Pastor Ben made a joke about this a month ago, so I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to do it because I think it's been done. Um, also, it's lo- it was located strategically by God, this church. In, it was located in the gateway to Asia Minor, which meant that it was, it was the perfect place for things to spread. So the Greek language spread from here. We also had Greek culture spreading from here. And the other thing that really spread from Philadelphia was the gospel. So the church of Philadelphia was a missionary church. They were known as a missionary church. They understood that church should be more than just Christians gathering together to play happy community. Although that is very important for people to be connected in and a part of a life-giving community, no doubt that is important, but we exist for more than that. Amen. We exist to share the gospel. We exist to make disciples. And the Philadelphian church understood this very well. But maybe because they understood this well and they were living that out, they were experiencing tribulation and persecution from the city, from people around them. There wasn't just persecution coming from people, but there was also a level of pressure because in the environment that they found themselves in, you see, there were a lot of earthquakes that took place in this region. Uh, It was a highly volcanic area. So imagine being someone who was a partner at this church, Philadelphia. We do partnership here at Bright Church. Kind of just means this is your home church. Imagine if this was your home church in Philadelphia. Not only are you experiencing uh, pressure from all the people around you, but also there could be an earthquake tomorrow. Talk about tough times, not very easy at all. Um, so one of the key things that we find in this letter is that Philadelphia are doing a lot of, a lot of the right things. They are a church that gets an A plus report from Jesus, one of only two churches. So we can learn a lot from this church at Philadelphia and that's what we're gonna do today. So if you got your phones or you got your Bibles, why don't you go with me right now to Revelation? I I almost said levitation. I don't think that's in there. Pastor Tristan, I don't don't think so. Uh, So we're going to go to the book of Revelation chapter 3. We're going to read verses 7 through to 13. So to the church in Philadelphia, verse 7. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write the words of the Holy One, the true one who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet and they will learn that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. And I will write on him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, who comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. Verse 13, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. If there was one word that you would use to describe this church, it is faithful. The Philadelphian church were a faithful church. The biblical definition of faithfulness is having a strong allegiance towards God, a strong sense of duty and fulfilling that duty. 
That is what it means to be faithful. The Philadelphian church did exactly that. And um, I can't help but think, gosh, in 2022, is faithfulness really a priority for Christians? Because I think faithfulness has become a little bit underrated. Having a strong sense of loyalty towards God, having a strong sense of duty that's been given to you by God and then living to fulfill that duty. I think that's a little bit underrated. I think sometimes we live a little bit more for ourselves and maybe a little bit less for God. I don't know. I just can't help but think that faithfulness is going out of fashion, which is a problem, by the way, because apparently the only way you make it as a church, according to these letters, is if you are faithful. Only faithful churches make it. And how do you get a faithful church? By having faithful people in it. Because the church, the ecclesia, it's God's called out ones. The only way you have a faithful church is if you have faithful people. So the question that we've got, we've got to ask ourselves, and I've been asking myself this question recently, is how faithful are we towards Jesus? The big question for you right now today I just want you to think about this seriously in your heart. Are you living a faithful life towards Jesus right now? It matters. I think there are a lot of Christians who honestly just don't understand what their duty is as a Christian. Or maybe they did once and then they kind of forgot it. That's a problem because to be faithful, it kind of almost starts at knowing what your duty is. So do you know what your duty is? You don't need to answer, it's okay. (laughs) Just building the tension. Um, In verse 7, we actually get insight into duty. So let's read what it says here. It says, The words of the Holy One, the true one, this is talking about Jesus, who has the key of David. The key of David. Sounds kind of weird, doesn't it? You read something like that and you just glance over it, you keep on reading. But that's really significant. That matters, that phrase, key of David. It's actually referring to Isaiah 22, verses 20 to 23. It's speaking and referring to a person called Eliakim. Now, Eliakim was a servant of the king, um, king of Israel, back back in the Old Testament, and he was given the key of David. So David was the, f- I was going to say the first king of Israel, second king of Israel, I guess the first good king of Israel. And uh, so so this key of David was a key that granted people access to the presence of the king. So Eliakim had this key, so he could grant people access to the king. He had that authority. Um, The full realization of this is the person of Jesus. So Jesus is the holder of the key of David. So Jesus has this key that grants people access to the kingdom of God, that grants people access to the Father, that grants people access to the presence of God. Now, let's take this one step further because In the New Testament, Jesus is having a conversation with a person called Peter, one of his closest disciples. And he says to Peter, Peter, I am giving you the keys to the kingdom. What you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That is very significant. So Jesus, to some extent, is delegating some of this responsibility of having these keys of the kingdom. He's delegating some of that responsibility to you and to to me. So you want to know what your duty is? as a follower of Jesus, and this is really important, it's to be actively using that key. It's to be actively using the authority that Jesus has given you. You have authority to bind things on earth, to lose things on earth. And that sounds kind of weird and confusing, but honestly, all it means is that you live to share Jesus. You, you, you live to see people all, like miraculously healed. Yeah, I'm going there today. 
Like you have authority to lay your hands on the sick and see them healed. You have authority to pray over people and believe that they would be free from that addiction. You've been given this supernatural authority by Jesus. Are you using it? Are you using it? It's a question that we really, really need to ask ourselves. Uh, about a month ago, I was heading home from church um, at night and my wife was unwell at home. So I decided just to go straight home instead of hanging out um, for dinner afterwards with some of the guys. And I stopped at KFC. Now, the reason I stopped at KFC, because I've seen some ads on, on socials, on Instagram, Facebook, about there being uh, 10 chicken tenders, original tenders for $10. And I just had to do it because that's being a good steward of your finances. So I went to KFC and then I kept driving and then it was Red Rooster. Just so happens Red Rooster had a deal. Uh, 250 large chips and gravy. How good. So I was set, right? So I got this. I got some for Amy too. I reckon it's one of the best meals I've had in a long time. It was so good. Uh, oh yeah, it was good. Just reminiscing. Yeah, it's good. Um, now it was so good that the next day, Monday, it was a long day. And you ever just had a long day, you can't be bothered cooking? Yeah, one of those days. And uh, my beautiful wife still unwell, so she wasn't up to cooking either. But I knew what the answer was. Because I had it the night before. So I went off and I got some more tenders. I got some more large chips. Um, so that was two nights in a row of that. Then I had a little bit of a break. Friday came along. Fry yay. Treat yourself. Friday night. It's been a long week. So I decided, why not make it, why not make it three out of three? Let's go for the trifecta. So once again, I got the original tenders. I got the large chips. Have you ever had a moment where you just had to wake up and realize that you're, you actually are an adult? <laughs> I had one of those moments. I had to wake up and realize that I'm not a teenager. It's not okay. I can't have KFC and Red Rooster three times in one week. It's not okay. Um, <laughs> you know, that's a funny example, but, but, you know, I think the truth is, as Christians, I think... Maybe, just maybe, we need to wake up and realize that we're not infants anymore. We're not teenagers in the faith. We're supposed to be adults in the faith. And a part of being an adult, a grown-up, when it comes to your spiritual life, it is understanding your duty and fulfilling it. It's using that authority that Jesus has given you. Church, are you using the authority that Jesus has given you? The Philadelphian church were. That is why they were, they were described as a missionary church. They understood that, delegate, that Jesus had delegated this responsibility to them to share the gospel and to make a difference in the city that they were in. I think that we can learn so much from the Philadelphian church when it comes to duty and fulfilling that duty. It goes on in verse 8 to say this, I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. It's interesting. When you know your duty and you're fulfilling your duty, you're going to come across a lot of open doors. I'm often in conversations with people where it's like, man, it's just so hard. Like, I, want, I wanted to do this. And I wanted to do that. But it, I just, it just feels like there's no clear way through. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where to go. And honestly, may, maybe sometimes the reason that we're walking into shut doors is because we're not headed in the right direction. The truth is, when we are actually living a life in alignment with God's will for us, 
when we are using, you know, the key that God has given us, when we're living a life to share the gospel, to see people saved, which is our primary calling, you're going to come across a lot of open doors. And Jesus promises this to the church of Philadelphia. It says, goes on to say, I know that you have but little power. So even though the church of Philadelphia were a faithful church doing great things, they weren't huge in numbers and they weren't huge in prestige. They probably didn't have huge LED uh, screens, but it goes on to say, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Verse nine, behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet and they will learn that I have loved you. I just want to emphasize what Jesus says here when he, when he says, you have kept my word and have not denied my name. A part of being a faithful Christian is you have a strong allegiance towards God. What, what does that look like? It means that you are someone who keeps God's word and you don't deny Jesus. But I've come to find that sometimes you can fall into a trap where you are denying his name and you aren't keeping his word and you're not even fully aware that it's happening. And the reason for that is because you're not really sure where the line is. The lines become blurry. The line between what is happening in culture and what is supposed to be happening, you know, in in the church and in your relationship with God. Now, I am convinced that the more spiritually sharp you are, the more you are aware of where the line is. And the way that you become spiritually sharp is by being filled with the Holy Spirit, being full of God. But the way you get full of God, it just so happens you actually need to spend time with God. So the question is, my church, like, are we spending time with God? Because the Philadelphian church, they would have loved their God time. Man, they would have been spending as much time with God as they could. They would have been coming together, meeting in the temple, breaking bread in each other's homes, coming, just coming together, worshiping God. They would have been spiritually sharp. They knew where the line was. And that is why they were, they were a church that never fell into the trap of denying the name of Jesus. And they, they really prioritized the importance of keeping his word. If you go to our Bright Church website, we have a page. It's our giving page. And on there, we explain uh, what we believe about giving. One of those videos is a video that I'm in, and it's the connection between being faithful or faith and giving. Now, I think the content in in that video is pretty good, but there's one thing I hate about that video. It's what I look like. That was in the middle of COVID. Does anyone have any COVID regrets? Right, Man, when I look at that, you just see a sad man when you look at that video. Gosh, my big round face, a little bit chub. Um, long, lo- <laughs> my hair was too long. Who had just a woeful COVID um, hairdo? Are, are you, is Cheryl pointing at Pastor Ben? <laughs> we honor our senior pastor here at Bright Church, everybody. Um, but my hair's terrible. My beard is a little bit out of control. It doesn't look good. And I'm just disappointed that there weren't loving people in my life at the time to tell me that things were heading in the wrong direction. Now nah, the problem is my wife loves me so much that she actually wouldn't, wouldn't want to say anything. I love you, babe. I had to throw it in there and Amy reference. Uh, but the way I got out of that, right, the, the way I turned things around and I said it in the 9am, I'll, I'll say it again. The way that I got from there to this today, <laughs> I know, arrogant. 
someone started to clap. Other people are looking down, just disappointed. Um, the way that that happened is I actually got an app on my phone called the My Fitness Pal app. I'm not sure if you've ever used it. And the great thing about this app is that you can put in your age, you can put in your weight, you put in the level of activity in your life, and it will tell you where the line is when it comes to your weight. It will say, you can have 8.5 thousand kilojoules a day. If you have that much, you'll say the same weight. If you go over that, you're gonna put on weight. If you have less than that, then you're gonna lose weight. It's that simple. And I love that because immediately, once I could see the line, I could just stop walking over it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I realized that before I just kept stepping over the line because I just didn't realize where the line was. And it's similar when it comes to our spirituality. Like when it comes to our spirituality, the way that we become more spiritually sharp, the way that we have a strong sense of what is of God and what isn't of God is by knowing where the line is. The equivalent of the app in our spiritual line is time with God, timing His Word. How are you supposed to be a Christian who keeps God word, God's Word if you don't even know what it says, yeah. right? How, how are you supposed to be someone who can sense the conviction of the Spirit and therefore make good decisions if you're not spending enough time with the Spirit to really be able to feel the Spirit right. speaking to you? Can I just encourage you today, no matter where your time with God is at the moment, let's take a step forward, yeah. right? I, honestly, if at the moment it's a little bit dry and you're struggling a little bit, can I just say, it's all good. Like, I, seriously, I've been there. It's totally fine. What Jesus does though, is he just asks us, come on, let's take a step forward here. Because the more time you spend with God, trust me, you're going to become more faithful. You're going to become someone who, who knows where the line is. You're going to become someone who just finds themselves keeping, keeping his word and not denying his name. But it starts with spending time with God. It starts with becoming more spiritually sharp. The Philadelphian church were exactly that. And here's the amazing thing. When we become those types of people, when we are keeping his word, when we are not denying his name, in other words, when we have that strong allegiance towards God, it actually leads people towards Jesus. In verse 9, it says, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not. So that is referring to people in Philadelphia who, who were Jews. So they believed that they knew God, but the truth was they didn't really because the only way you can know God is through Jesus. So they were actually persecuting the Christians, the people in the Philadelphian church who had a real relationship with God. They were persecuting them. But it says, um, behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet and they will learn that I have loved you. So these people who were persecuting the Christians in this church, they actually have a full 180 turnarounds where they actually come to know God. They come to know God. They are humbled. Um, they have this revelation that Jesus actually is the Messiah. They learn that Jesus loves the people in this Philadelphian church. So here's the thing that we need to take away from this. Good doctrine doesn't push people away from God. Having good doctrine and not denying his word actually leads people to God. We live in a, in a time right now, like honestly right now, where there are a lot of Christians who are honestly starting to question some things about what God, God's Word says on, on some matters. 
And what they can do is start to go, oh, you know what? You know, maybe, maybe we were wrong about, oh, yeah, maybe that is okay. Maybe that isn't sin, right? And we think that by doing that, we're loving people better. We think that by doing that, we're making Christianity more attractive. We think that by doing that, it's more likely they're going to come to church and give their life to Jesus. But the truth is that it's actually probably just maybe going to push them away from really knowing Jesus. Because when you have a strong doctrine, uh, when you share truth, uh, with grace, by the way, but it, you've got to actually share truth. When you share it with grace, it actually leads people to Jesus. I just want to encourage you today, stand firm in the Word. Stand firm in the Word. That is one element of what it means to be faithful. Now, if you're going to do that, there is going to be some pressure that comes. And the Philadelphian church were a church that experienced pressure. And we are living in an era right now, which is the era of the church. And the church will experience persecution um, before we are eventually taken up out of this world. That's what the scriptures would teach us. So let's read verse 10. It says, Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. So here is how it is going to work. There is going to be a time of tribulation and persecution. And, and some of that is already being felt in the world today. And then Jesus, what he's going to do is he is going to rapture his church. So his people up out of the world. So his church, they're his people. So they will be raptured up out of the world. And then comes the great tribulation. So when you take God's representatives up out of the world, and by the way, God chooses to operate in the world through his people, Right? So when you take that up out of the world, things are going to get real bad. Yeah. And this is go- it's described as being a time of trial by Jesus here in this letter. So it's going, to be, it's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. And then after the great tribulation, Jesus is going to return for his millennial reign. One of the important things that we need to understand from verse 10 is that Jesus is going to save the Philadelphian church. Jesus is going to save faithful churches from the great tribulation, but not from tribulation. You can't escape tribulation if you want to be a faithful church. In fact, it's happening in the world right now, like I mentioned before. It's happening in places like North Korea, China, Burma, Iran, Syria. If you go to the Open Doors website, and we are partners with Open Doors here at Bright, it shares some devastating statistics. It says that in the past year, 5,000 Christians have been thrown in jail detained unlawfully. 5,000 churches have been attacked. 6,000 Christians have been killed in the last year alone. And this is the number that really gets me. 360 million Christians have been persecuted. And just to make this really clear, the Christians that have been persecuted, it's the faithful Christians. They're the Christians that have been Persecuted. The Church of Philadelphia experienced a lot of this persecution, but it's worth it. It's worth it. And Jesus speaks about the rewards associated with being faithful and shares with them why their pain and suffering, their momentary pain of suffering is going to be so worth it um, 
in eternity. So in verse 11, he says, I'm coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, who comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So Jesus first talks about this crown. So if you are a faithful follower of Jesus, right now you have this like crown, metaphorically speaking, in your hands. Now, Paul refers to this crown. Sometimes it's called the crown of righteousness. So this crown that you're carrying, which is a part of your reward, you have it now, but you only cash it in when you get to heaven, right? So you have it right now, but you only really cash it in when you get to heaven. Now, Jesus says, hold fast to it so that no one may seize your crown. So what that means is it's possible for it to be snatched away. It's possible for it to be snatched away. And I researched into this. I looked into, it, into this. And what many scholars say is that the way that the crown is snatched away is simply um, by ceasing to truly follow the commandments of Jesus. Wow. Following the commandments of Jesus really matters. Yeah. Being faithful towards Jesus, it really matters. You see, there is an enemy who really wants to take your crown from you. Um, he is actively pursuing you, trying to take your crown. But I tell you right now, if you just stay faithful towards God, you're going to be absolutely fine. Absolutely fine. But it is important to follow the commandments of Jesus. And then it goes on to talk about some things that are really weird. Like it says that the conquerors, so the faithful people, uh, so Philadelphia, you are conquerors, you're faithful. So guess what? Guess what's coming, Philadelphia? You are going to be um, a pillar in the temple of my God. You're going to have my name written on you. I'm going to reveal to you my new name. And when you read that, you're just like, huh? <laughs> like what? That makes no sense whatsoever. So let me break it down for you a little bit because this is actually amazing. So to receive a prize or the prize of being a pillar in the temple of God um, it's actually referring to pillars in Solomon's temple. So King Solomon was the first king of Israel who built a temple. So there wasn't a proper temple before him. He built this glorious temple. And when you actually read about it, it's amazing because it reads about the presence of God coming upon it and it being so thick. And uh, it, it, there's a name for one of the pillars in there. It's called Jashin. And Jashin um, translated means means to be established forever. So to be established. So when it talks about a prize being a pillar in the temple of my God, it means that you will be established in the presence of God forever. Wow. So in heaven, you will be established in the presence of God forever. You will, you will never be removed, never be taken away. You will be in the presence of God forever. And when it talks about His name being written on you, that's referring to intimacy with Jesus. Yeah closeness with Jesus. I mean, gosh, if his name is written on you, I'm not sure how much closer you can get. When it speaks of God revealing um, a new name to us, once again, that is speaking of intimacy, a close relationship. So what is the reward for being faithful? What is the reward for the Philadelphian church? What is the reward for faithful churches even today in 2022 for choosing to be faithful? What is your reward as a Christian deciding to live a faithful life towards Jesus? The reward 
is simply close proximity to God forever. And trust me, that's enough. The prize is God's presence. A couple of months ago, in this very room, we had a Holy Spirit night for Alpha, one of the courses that we run. And on that night, we pray for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I had the privilege of praying for a person on that night. And I remember praying over them that God would just come and fill them up, that they would be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And before my eyes, I just saw this young guy who honestly, guys, he's, he's hardly read his Bible. <laughs> he's only just recently become a Christian. He's still learning like all the Christian, Christianese language that we say, right? Like, what's up with that, by the way? So, you know, he's very fresh. And yet, in that moment, the power of God came upon him. He was filled from head to toe. There was a physical manifestation. He started to utter a language that was out of this world. The Spirit of God was giving him utterance. He was filled with the Holy Spirit right there in that moment. And afterwards, he just couldn't describe what happened. He had no words to describe it. And it got me thinking about one of the most profound moments with God that I've ever had. It happened right here. It's at the end of a service um, where I felt God putting something on my heart. I came down the front and I didn't even get prayed for. As soon as I stepped there, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just showed up and filled me. And I had this out of this world experience with God. From that moment, everything changed in my life. And as, as amazing as that moment was, As amazing as the moment was for that young man at Alpha that night, can I just say, it's nothing compared to what it's going to be like in heaven. Nothing. Nothing can compare to what it's going to be like when we are face to face with our Creator, our Saviour in heaven. It is the greatest reward of all time. Bright Church, stay faithful because the presence of God It's worth it. So So three quick things before I pray for you. Don't forget that Jesus has given you authority. So use your authority. It's a part of what it means to be faithful. Number two, stay close to God. Spend time with God. The more time you spend with Him, the easier it's going to be for you to discern what is of Him and what isn't of Him. You will naturally just become a Christian who is never denying the name of Jesus, you will naturally become a Christian who is just in his word and keeping his word if you have the, I guess sometimes it's a discipline, but sometimes it's more of a devotion, a willingness just to get into the presence of God and spend time with him. And uh, lastly, we're going to have to brace for a bit of tribulation. If you decide that you're going to be a faithful Christian, if you decide that you're going to do those two things right there, pressure's going to come. But when the pressure comes, remember, it's not a sign that God's displeased with you. It's not a sign that maybe you're headed in the wrong direction. If anything, it could be a sign that you're doing all the right things. I want to pray for you. Why don't you close your eyes? Father God, I lift up to you any person here today in this service who feels the pressure, 
who feels the pressure of culture, who feels the pressure of their workplace, who feels the pressure of their school environment, who feels the pressure of their family, who feels the pressure of the enemy. Father God, right now in Jesus' name, I pray that you would come and just encourage their heart. Father God, I pray that we wouldn't be a church that chooses people pleasing over God honoring. God, I pray for any person here today and honestly, they're just struggling when it comes to motivation to spend time with you. God, would you just reignite something in their heart? God, would you just make it so 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 easy for them and maybe that's not the right phrasing maybe not so easy but god i just pray that it would become easier for them to have the motivation to spend time with you god spending time with you is the greatest thing ever father having those moments of connection with you there nothing beats it and father i pray that there would just be this revelation in this place today for people seated here for people watching online that that time with you is better than anything else. The best way that we can spend our time is by spending time with you. And God, I pray that one of the great fruits that comes from that for everyone here is that we would just be faithful, that we would know your word, God, that we would be a church that doesn't fall into the trap of denying your name without even realizing it. Father, we love you. Father, I thank you that you're a close God, not a far off God. I thank you that your presence is here right now today. And God, one of the rewards for being faithful is being close to you in heaven for all eternity, experiencing this this closeness, this intimacy, your presence. But God, we get glimpses of that right now today while we're living on earth. And for the person who's here today who honestly has never experienced that, who hasn't experienced your presence, God, I pray that you reveal yourself to them. God, I pray that they would have an experience with you that takes their faith from being an intellectual thing to a real thing. God, I pray that they would have an experience that will act like a testimony that can, they can share with others. God, I pray for the person in the room right now um, who is just drying their spirit and needs a touch from heaven. God, I pray that you would come that you would come and fill their hearts, fill their minds. Even as we go into worship one more time, Father, I pray that you would just stir them up, that you would move, that there would be a real, physical, literal experience that is undeniable. God, you are so good. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for everything that you are doing in this church. We honour you. We love you. God, help us to be faithful. In Jesus' name. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.